everybody. It's another episode of the Hockey Show Podcast. I'm Nick. I'm John. And yeah, there's a lot to talk about this week in the NHL. It's been a crazy week, man. We've seen scoring just absolutely skyrocket. We've seen injuries. We've seen uh, craziness. But let's start with the big news, and that is let's celebrate Gary Bettman and the NHL because... Earlier this week, if you missed it on NHL.com, they ran a story about Gary Bettman. It's been 30 years since he became the first commissioner, uh, and the Board of Governors meetings just wrapped up earlier today as of uh, this recording. So there's a lot to get to. Uh, Let's just get to some of the news out of the Board of Governors, some of the most interesting things that came out of it. And I guess one of the big things right now, uh, Pierre Lebron put the article out on The Athletic, Uh, talking about the NHL and whether or not they should change the playoff format. So, yeah. According to LeBron, he talked to the 12 governors that was there, and it was a 12-0 vote in favor of the NHL adding a play-in round. The concept would be that of, like, the NBA, where, uh, what is it, the 7th seed plays the 10th seed and the 8th plays the 9th. It would be a three-game series, uh... From what I gather, three nights in a row, no breaks in between in order to just get it done. Similar to what Major League Baseball has done now with their wild card as well. Um, But Gary Bettman came flat out and said, no, this is a no-go. So, John. Best decision um, he's made all year. Yeah, okay. I was going to ask where you (laughs) stand on that, but it it seems like you and I are both in agreement. Uh, Yeah, yeah. and of course, any general manager that can point to some sort of accomplishment they made at the end of the year uh, is going to be in favor of saying, yeah, let's have play-in games and things like that. But this is a very dumb and stupid idea, and I hate it. Yeah, I'm not a fan of this either. I I get it for, like, Major League Baseball because, but, uh, you know, there was only four teams making it out of 30. Now they've expanded it to where there's like two extra teams that get so you know okay the nba i don't really care for it over there but the nba system as well i'm pretty sure is just like an east and a west so it's like the top teams make it anyway uh which is actually what i would prefer the nhl go back to just have an east a west and the top eight from each make it that to me would be the best fix if you want to fix it but yeah i think gary bettman was on the money when when he had the follow-up question of well why not he he came out and said you're trying to fix a problem that doesn't exist and i don't think it does because according to him and he's correct half the league already makes the playoffs yeah and and we talk enough about how long the season is and that You know, when you have 82 games, not every season necessarily matters. So I just don't understand the idea behind let's, you know, have these playing games uh, towards the end of it. So then, you know, all this time we spent leading up to who's eighth or who's ninth. Well, that could be, you know, totally done and over with in a three game series. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Frankly, if I had it my way, we'd just do one through 16 and have some real chaotic matchups. But I understand geographically travel's expensive and arena availability is what it is. So that may not be the most realistic uh, possibility for something like that. But, you know, having a few, you know, within divisions in East and West, that makes a lot of sense to me. And I'd hate for this to turn into something like the NFL where you start to need a PhD to figure out who's in a playoff spot half the time. And this team has a bye and this team's doing this, that, the other. It's like, just 
just play. Just have a tournament. Give us a format. We have a fun little bracket we get to do. Like, don't touch it. It's fine. Yeah. And again, he he mentioned that he thinks the NHL's first round is is one of the best in playoff formats from all the major sports. Call me a homer. Call me bias. I agree. I think I think the NHL playoff format is fine. Like I said, if you were going to change anything, just make get rid of the Metro, the Atlantic, the Pacific, the Midwest, the, you know, Canadian, whatever. Just make it an East, a West, and the top teams make it. That That is, to me, the one way that if you wanted to fix something that, I agree, is not broken, that would be the way to go about it. Yeah, and a lot of that stems from just having a hard time having too many teams that are really close together. So obviously, you know, New York has Philadelphia's right there. Boston's right there. It's really easy to do that. Meanwhile, if you're, you know, Dallas or Florida or Tampa, it's a little bit harder to have teams close by that you're going to play all the time. But right now you have the Florida teams in a division with two Canadian teams. So it's not necessarily functioning great this way either. But at this point, it's just kind of like, just don't touch it, man. It's fine. (laughs) Yeah, just we're we're okay. We're good where we are with that. Um, One thing that isn't okay that we learned uh, from the governor's uh, meeting, uh, salary cap was supposed to go up potentially about $4 million next year, but uh, according to Bettman, uh, they really haven't made the money back. Escrow, apparently the players aren't going to be paying that off this year, so the cap could only move up by $1 million next year. Uh, Even though things seem to be doing good, uh, but if they make additional money from where they're projecting, uh, then maybe the cap gets to go up more than the $1 million, but... Uh, it appears we're only going to be a $1 million sure, 32 teams next year. Which is odd because in October, Bettman said it was going to, it could rise by more than $4 million because there was a quote unquote good probability the player's escrow debt will have been paid off this season. To which I think people are just saying, so which is it then? It, you know, there couldn't possibly have been that drastic cha- change in revenue between now and October unless you know, reverse retro jerseys just really haven't been selling or something among those lines. But, you know, I, I, from what I read, a lot of it may just come down to if big market teams go really far in the playoffs, that could really make up a ton of money there. Hopefully that, uh, you know, a Rangers uh, Maple Leafs uh, conference final, probably not the worst thing for the league. Yeah, it's, and, and I also saw that the Canadian dollar, uh, of course, it plays on that as well, and it's kind of weak right now, so a weak Canadian dollar doesn't help. Uh, which, if you ever want an answer, Canadian fans, as to why you will not get another team for a while, uh, that's one of the reasons, is the revenue uh, that you generate. Yeah, you might have a fan base, you might show up, but it is a sport that operates in America, and your dollar to the American dollar... Mm, isn't going to net them as much of a profit as if they put a team somewhere, you know, in a 5,000 seat college arena. I I was listening to the bigger, longer, uncut South Park movie and the soundtrack to it this week. And it might just come down to Gary Bettman said, hey, blame Canada. Yeah, right. (laughs) Do it. Do it. I dare you. 
Um, but no, you're right. I saw that as well with the idea of it, it, it could just come down to you want teams like Toronto, the Rangers, the Bruins. Uh, you'd want the Red Wings. You'd want those original six teams that have fans all over the country, all over the world uh, that will be tuning in. will be watching these T- teams with uh, recognition as well that, you know, even the average, the non knows who the Detroit Red Wings are and the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Montreal Canadiens. Like they know those, they, that's name recognition. When you hear the Nashville Predators, no offense, that's, you know, you might've been in a cup final not too long ago, but it's not the same as an original six team. Same, same with the lightning. I mean, you might have been back-to-back champions and all of that and three years in a row to the cup final, but everybody just kind of is like, oh yeah, Tampa has a hockey team and they're good. It's not the same as like, oh yeah, there's a team in my, my, the Canadians, you know, that's that's a team that has the most championship, like people know that. Uh, yeah, and, and that's and not that's necessarily... Not a- I'm not taking a shot, by the way. Please don't at me, Lightning fan. You have a great franchise, a very good system there, and you can thank Steve Eisenman for all of that. Yeah, and when you're referring to them not having as much of a following as some of these other teams, I don't think any of that's a failure on the teams themselves to build a fan base. It's just the fact that there's, you know, a lot more generational fans built up in these other places. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there was a third option that uh, I, I saw thrown out, uh, and that option would be to negotiate a smoothing of the cap escalation over the next few years but they'd need the NHLPA to do that. Now, yeah. we'd never approach them, but allegedly uh, the NHLPA is discussing it with players internally for now. And again, allegedly, according to sources, uh, that's in uh, LeBron's um, athletic article. Bettman just kind of, you know, was like, it's something they have to discuss. We're not discussing it right now, but that is a third option as well to help the cap for next year. Yeah, and you wonder what the players would have to give up to achieve something like that. So I don't know how crazy about that that they would be. Yeah, it it really harpens back to something I kind of said earlier on this season was that I didn't understand why a lot of these players were signing these eight-year deals in a flat cap era when the cap was supposed to go up but now if they're you know talking about it just being one million instead of four million i'm sure there's a lot of general managers that would say just give us something to work with so we know how to build our teams out accordingly and let us go from there but i i don't know a flat cap league has been kind of fun we get to you know see some players that are literally traded for nothing uh we've gotten to see some you know rfas not get qualified and uh just become free agents out of that because teams don't have the cap space so i i I won't sit here and argue like i haven't enjoyed a flat cap era but you know the more compensation you can get for players the better off the league as a whole is going to be yeah uh you know it's and I see it a lot, uh, especially with the Major League Baseball free agency going on. And I've seen people be like, you know, the the non-hockey fans come in and say that the sport makes no money when they're going to pull it. You know, they pulled it. And what was it? I saw the number from last year. I had just saw the number. Uh, gosh, $5.4 billion, give or take. It's a billion-dollar organization and that was part of what the article uh, on NHL.com talked about when uh, they did the Gary Bettman uh, fluff piece that dropped this week for his 30th anniversary. Uh, but it is. It's a billion-dollar business. It's It makes a lot of money. 
the NHL is not a throwaway sport, but it is the sport where your star players, you know, the New York Mets are paying guys like Justin Verlander and Jacob deGrom is making like $138. And it's like, well, here's Connor McDavid. He's probably going to get like 10 million. You know, here, here's the best player our sport has to offer. And he's going to come nowhere close to what certain players are making in a year in these other sports. So yeah, I, I for. For context, last year the NFL made about fourteen billion in total revenue. Yeah. So that it's by comparison, of course, the NHL is going to seem smaller than that. But you know, five billion dollars isn't anything to shake a stick at. No, no, it's not. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Fingers crossed the cap does go up more. Uh, but you're right. It would create an interesting situation. Uh, I can think of, you know, there are plenty of teams that are up against the wall right now that are struggling. Uh, but before we move on from the board of governors, uh, there was two other things I wanted to talk about. One of them was Gary Bettman for as much positive as we're giving him right now. I want to talk about one of the negatives, the boards, the advertising on the boards came up. And Gary Bettman pulled the classic, everybody hates it. No, that's impossible. No way everybody hates it because I know of fans that love it. Secret fans that nobody knows about, apparently only Gary Bettman speaks to, are telling him that the advertisement on the boards have not been a massive failure and are the most magical thing that he has done for the league. It's just because it's something he likes, and we know it's something he likes. He pushed for it, but man, do they suck. Yeah, it sure is weird that in the same breath we could talk about the NHL's not pulling in enough money, but these uh, board ads are really, really just doing the trick. <laughs> it's uh, classic NHL. <laughs> yeah, and, 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 you know, when Gary Bettman goes on about, you know, fans he's talked to and this, that, the other, he's done this a number of times when uh, NHL.com stats page was a complete mess and still is. You know, he mentioned, oh, I talked to people that, you know, aren't bothered by it or whatever it may be. So we know this is kind of a go-to line of his, but I, I will say that the, uh, I think they have reacted to a lot of the feedback that they had for it to where the glitchy nightmare that we had for these before seems to have gone away uh a lot of the ads don't seem to uh take a move as much or take away from the game as much uh or i've just completely gotten used to them like we also said would happen that's always possible too yeah that's 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 happened in the games that i've watched i've gotten a little used to that they're still at times they can still really stand out but for the most part, it's not as bad. It's not as jarring as it was at the start of the year. You're right on that. But yeah, I, I love I love when Gary Bettman Jedi mind trick of like, no, you are not the fans that are uh, annoyed at what I'm doing. No, no. Like, it's it's so funny. Um, but one last thing I want to talk about. Uh, the Ottawa Senator's sale came up. About 12 ownership parties interested in the sale. Uh have all apparently signed an NDA, but Gary Bettman did come out and say that him and Bill Daly did meet with one Deadpool, uh, who very much impressed them. Uh, so yeah, uh, Bettman and Daly want Deadpool to be an owner of the Ottawa Senators. <laughs> yeah, the the quote that stood out to me, uh, you know, a NHL team president that 
you know, didn't want his name revealed, uh, told ESPN, have you seen his social media following? Heck, if Ryan Reynolds posts about the Senators on Instagram seven times, that could be worth it alone. So it, it seems as though whichever direction they're going to go, the NS, the NHL is making a really concerted effort towards involving Ryan Reynolds. Uh, though I think they did say uh, in the end, he doesn't necessarily have to be involved. Uh, I don't know why someone wouldn't want him involved unless they just want to be the sole proprietor. Uh, but yeah, that's kind of where they're at with it right now. Yeah, uh, even Bettman made the comment where he was like, I think he told us his followers on all of his platforms combined are well over 100 million. He's someone <laughs> who is very popular and very engaged. So yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of, that's the one thing I'll say about the sale of where it seems like it's going and where the NHL is going right now. They understand the social media aspect of things and that that is popular and that that does matter. If Ryan Reynolds does post on Instagram, Twitter or Facebook or does a TikTok about the senators it is going to instantly draw not just his followers eyes but it's going to bring in news eyes as well you're going to see CNN and Fox and MSNBC and all of them start talking about it they will be discussing whatever viral thing he does to promote the senators just like they have to uh, the i know he has a european football team because it was all over the news so if he's involved in a hockey in a hockey franchise it's going to be all over the news and the senators could use some good publicity and that could help them with getting their new arena and that could help with a lot of things it could help with recruitment as well do i think he's going to be the owner no he doesn't but he needs to be in some way involved with that team and with ownership it, in some capacity even if he's like a 10% owner that just does the social media stuff. Yeah, and what wasn't totally clear to me when they talked about having 12 interested parties is if there's 12 groups that are all going to go in on it together or if it's 12 groups that all have their own individual bids that they'll kind of be able to, you know, bid up against each other, so to speak. So it remains to be seen, but what I think is really nice for... Uh, Senators fans is what the NHL has started to do when a franchise is sold is they put started putting clauses in the contracts to make sure that they can't apply for relocation for a fixed amount of time. Like when the Coyotes were sold, there was a clause there that said they can't apply to relocate for in the next seven years. So I'm sure they'll have something similar to go along with the senators here for that. I, I'm pretty I'm pretty certain that that would happen. You don't want to lose the senators. You don't want them to move. All right. That's everything that happened Board of Governors-wise. Uh, you think there's anything else we should hit from from there? No, no. I think it's just time for things that made us angry this week. Which was a lot of things. Start with uh, something that, that I think. Uh, Alex Ovechkin, not Ovi making us angry. He's now sitting at 797 goals. He's going to be passing um, passing after hockey here very shortly. ESPN's actually on Ovi Watch. They're playing tonight. Uh, so, you know, I, I like that. I like that ESPN is there's I've seen commercials with Messier promoting it. 
like where are you going to be when he makes history type deals so i love that espn like you now have tv partners that are actually selling your stars what a concept people to be like exactly i know crazy right you sell the stars not just the name on the front but the name on the back sells sometimes uh but the big controversy was uh, a tweet saying that when alex ovechkin finally surpasses wayne gretzky he cannot do it on an empty net goal john Yes, this was John Butchergrass of ESPN, who I think has been really good for the sport in general, and he's certain entitled to his opinion, however misguided it may be. Full quote here was, I have no problem with empty net goals, but uh, clearly you do if you're saying something like this. But Alex Ovechkin's 895th Gretzker record-breaking goal cannot be an empty netter. Don't even go on the ice in empty net situations once he reaches 894. So... A couple of things about that. Uh, Wayne Gretzky, all-time leader in empty net goals with 56 of them. Uh, Ovechkin right now has 53 over his career, followed by Marion Hosa with 40, Mario Lemieux with 33, and Brad Marchand and Jerome McGinley both tied at 32. Not a group of people you would say are bad or only score insignificant goals, certainly. Uh when Gretzky did that incredible 50 goals in 39 games, the 50th goal was an empty netter. Uh, so it, it, I don't understand the concept that empty net goals are somehow shameful or somehow less significant for him. Yeah, they usually mean less in that individual game, but they're still a big deal. You know, if anything, it shows a lot that your coach trusts you enough to have you out there on the closing minutes of a game where you're only up by a goal or two. So the the entire thing just really doesn't sit well with me. That actually was going to be my point is the names you named are all first line players, uh, you know, Hall of Famers, a host of maybe, but all the other ones, first ballot, absolutely Hall of Famers. They are the guys that go out there and play those minutes at the end of those games. One goal, two goal games. Those are your top line minute. You're not playing your fourth line in that situation or your third line. You're playing your top six guys when the game is that close. That is, Those are the players that are racking up the 20 plus minutes a night. Not the guy that racks up eight minutes a night. The 20-plus minute a night guys are doing it. So they're going to have the better opportunities, and obviously, which is why they have the most empty net goals. I get the concept of, yes, you want the record-breaking goal to be like when Gretzky passed Howe with Gordy in the building. It was, you know, actually like a, a goal goal. I get that concept, but you cannot sit here and get mad if he breaks the record by tapping one in. He broke the record. It doesn't matter. Goals are goals. It, empty net goals are not fake goals. If that's the case, take away Gretzky's, take away Lemieux's, take away everybody's empty net goals. They don't count anymore. That's great. Doesn't matter. Ovechkin's still going to pass him. Like, who cares? I don't care. I can't wait for it to happen. I'm excited for it to happen uh, because I'm excited to see this record broken because we thought it would never be broken. So this sounds like somebody that doesn't want the record to be broken and trying to find a way to be like, well, you know, he passed him, but he did it with an empty net. You know, it doesn't really matter. 
Yeah, I, I do feel like we're going to get a lot of that as it, and I don't know if that's what John Butchergrass was implying with not. it. He's better than he's but, much better than that, but it just it comes across yeah. that way. Yeah, and I feel like you'll it, uh, some of that has to do with the fact that Ovechkin isn't from North America, so mm-hmm. him passing good old Canadian boys, you might start to try to find reasons to pick that record apart. Uh, but we have we've talked. Ovechkin's uh, pursuit here to death on the podcast. And I I think it's very clear where we all stand with the entire thing for it. It's just seems like it's going to get more annoying if it starts to boil down to, well, he had this many goals on the power play, whereas Gretzky only had this many. And well, if he played more time shorthanded like Gretzky did, it just, it's, I don't like what's on the horizon about this. (laughs) And, And you know what? And you know what our response needs to be? He, he, one of these guys played in the dead puck era when, yeah, you know, and one of these guys, you know, also played in an era where goalies were giving up like eight goals a game. Uh, you know, it wasn't a defensive minded game. Like Gretzky played it, you know, we could start getting into that. It's the same thing in every sport. We could, let's get into the error of the play here. You put Ovechkin, oof, man, put Ovechkin, put Matthews, put Crosby, and put Connor McDavid in the 80s, I don't think Gretzky's the guy we're talking about. I think we're yeah, talking absolutely. about those four. Like, sorry, everybody. Gretzky is not the great one. We're, we're, we're debating, you know, Gretzky becomes Brett Hull of that era. And yeah. God, I feel so bad for Brett Hull then because what is he <laughs> Like, you know, it's, it's you know, you know, we... This conversation, no, it should not be happening. Go get the record, Ovi. It will be good for hockey. It's going to be a great chase. You have, again, you have a TV, you have a marketing side, you have everybody that's like actually understands what to do now. But the fact that the that ESPN is like running these commercials, and when I go to ESPN.com, it's like Ovi's chase to Gretzky. I'm like. Oh crap, I want to watch the game tonight because I want to see him like I'm excited for him to pass Gordy now. They've got me stoked for it. So uh, yeah, bad take. Yeah, bad and, and and he's and he's so close to it at this point for uh for passing Gordy's record that he could sneeze and pass it uh, for this season, you know. It, yeah. It's it's not going to be it, it's pretty much a just a question of when rather than a question of if. Uh, but man, he he's keeping up the pace for it. 17 goals in 30 games right now. He is exactly where he needs to be as far as keeping track for this record. And it, it's more than likely he's going to get past that 28 that he needs to average out for this season. Yeah, it's it's listen, he's going to get there. Uh, what did we what did we say? Possibly next year, we both agreed or uh, early Pot- 2024. Yeah. I think it's going to be a 2024 thing unless he, unless he just has a load of playoff games built into it, which, you know, that could happen too, but I don't know. Which, um, before we move on to the, uh, the controversy that kind of got me going that I didn't realize was going to become a controversy, uh, and was really dumb. Uh, did you see that, uh, apparently even through the chase for OV, uh, to beat Gretzky's, uh, goals record, uh, the Capitals promised Ovechkin that they would be competitive and would not be, uh, sellers and any of that. And they would try and keep a competitive team. I love it. Uh, I mean, yeah, that's great. We kind of all figured that, but 
is that in a way like i don't know i don't know how to take that because a part of me is like the wise move at the end of this year when you only have like 10 guys under contract is to not re-sign some of these guys and to start trying to build a younger team around Ovi while you because if you just start sticking with the same team like they're just going to be like what they are now, right? A non-playoff team that's just trying to stat- stack the points for Ovi? Yeah, and they're definitely not very good coming into this year. Uh, but you got to keep in mind that uh, almost their entire defense is going to be up on contract at the end of this yeah. season. Uh, they don't have a uh, a lot in the pipeline as far as goaltenders go because they've spent a lot of time trading away those first-round picks and things like that. Uh, they're going to have to do something to replenish the roster just out of pure necessity so i i wouldn't read into it too much as far as saying this isn't going to be a rebuilding team uh i would almost kind of say to that it's like well no kidding but uh there's only going to be so many players left and you're not about to re-sign you know carl Haglin or tj Oshie or something like that for some of these players are already well past their prime so yeah you know, working with with what you got, whether or not they're super talented young players or not, they are going to be more than likely be younger players just because there isn't going to be much of anything else that's left for them. Yeah, I, I'm. I just when I was looking at that roster after I after I saw that 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 article, uh, I think it was uh, Wyshynski who had it. I was like, you really are just going to have to become like a rebuilder. Like there's, there's no way. Cause you're just going to keep being an older team. Like they are the second oldest team in the league this year. And it's like, they're 30. I think the average age is 30 and they're only beat by the penguins who were like a 30.3, which what do we constantly say? What, what did we say at the beginning of this season? Eventually, you know, old teams are going to up off. with you. Yeah, one of them it has. The other one is the Penguins. And, you know, Crosby has been unbelievable. And uh, Latang is back somehow already. And, you know, Jeff Skinner got suspended yeah, for a dirty hit against uh, the Penguins because they're playing that good. So, <laughs> yeah, you, you wonder how much the, you know, roster construction could hinder uh ov but they've had a ton of injuries this year and that hasn't seemed to hinder him much yet so i think as long as they can keep one halfway decent line together they'll be in good shape well yeah you got you got backstrom at least uh eventually he'll be back and he's on track for uh, a few more years all right percy that stemmed over the weekend uh cal mccarr did not like the fact that igor sterkin uh robbed him with a glove save and proceeded to cry about it after the game to the point where now apparently goalies can't make glove save. Uh, do you see the play at all that he's mad about? Yeah, it seemed like a pretty standard thing that you see goalies do. They reach out, they grab something with their glove, there's a big arc coming in as they pull it into their chest. Um, mm-hmm. I don't have a problem with it. I think I've seen a lot of goalies do that. That's definitely not just a sush. Shishterkin thing. <laughs> it's a mouthful. <laughs> uh, yeah, that that well, that's the thing that 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 irked me about it is because somehow like became a thing, and I was like, that just looks like that was a traditional save. That's not. That is not, and it's funny coming from a guy who plays for a team 
where one of the most infamous plays of a goalie really overselling it. And that's what, and that's what he was saying. He was saying that, that Shesterkin was overselling the glove save and it's going to come back and bite him. And it's like, no, it's, it's the same glove save you see Gibson make that you see Vanacek make that any name, pull any goalie. You'll see them make that save because it's just the way that goalies make that glove save by throwing it up a little bit of flair, but pulling it in. But then you have a guy that plays on the team where Patrick Watt infamously held it there, didn't pull it in, and Statue of Liberty gold against himself. I believe it was the Detroit Red Wings. Am I? You know, it's funny how that works out. Yeah. Yeah, If there if there was one team that would know the dangers of uh, of (laughs) being too flashy as a goalie, it would be Colorado. Uh, But yeah, like I just. Of all the things to get worked up about, I think the way a goalie makes a save isn't the place you want to go. No, but uh, Ranger fans did have me laughing online that night. Of course, the third best defenseman on the ice that evening would have an issue. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, wow. All right. I, okay. Because, uh, yeah, uh, that was one of those nights where I think if you look head to head, you realize why Fox and him are two of the best defensemen in the league. and. Schneider just happened to play a really, really like Schneider's a good defenseman, but he happened to play an out of his mind game that night. And Igor played out of his mind as well that night. Yeah. And between, you know, Kale McCarr, Adam Fox, Quinn Hughes, Moritz Sider, there's a lot of really good young defensemen that we're getting to watch right now. So you'd love a chance to see them go up against each other head to head. Uh, I don't know if it's a juicy enough controversy to hope for a Rangers Avalanche Cup final. But I can think of worse ones. I mean, I think more of the controversy there would be if that was the cup final, it would come down to, did the Rangers give up the wrong goalie? Now, now, did is that the first or second time they played each other this year? That's the second time both games went to uh, a shootout. And you, Colorado won the first one, and the Rangers won the second one. See, I was hoping that was the first one, so that way if they were playing a second game this year, Sisterkin could... could be even more exaggerated with his saves <laughs> and things like that just to annoy him but i don't know Listen. we'll see how we'll see how long his memory is for that well speaking of uh memory uh let's go back to 2011 for the next controversy because <laughs> apparently the bruins uh canucks 2011 game 7 stanley cup final had a lot more controversy than we knew uh yeah, i guess this uh, might be the yeah. dumbest one that we talk about tonight uh, yeah, why don't you, uh, yeah, why don't you, because uh, who is it that did the interview again? Uh, uh, it was the uh, Games With Names podcast. Sedano uh, okay. Chara was on there talking to them, and he spe- mentioned uh, supposedly in tw- the 2011 Cup Final between Vancouver and Boston, uh, in Game 6 in Boston at practice, Vancouver players were practicing how they would celebrate with the Cup and how they would hand it off to each other and things like that. Uh, I don't understand for the slightest reason why that got picked up and made into this big deal. Uh, It may have just because a member of that team, Kevin Bieksa, is on Sportsnet uh, for their nightly broadcast, and he seemed like he about lost his mind in reaction to to this idea. Uh, He called it one of the dumbest things we've ever heard, Uh, and he 
what he came back to a lot of with it is, you know, somebody else would have seen this, you know, there's so many media people there for a Stanley Cup uh, final for every single practice that somebody else would have mentioned this at this point. And uh, he felt like he really took it as an attack on their character an attack on their leadership that they would let this happen and participate in it. And I'm just kind of like, both of you guys are idiots. Like, who cares? Like, it, it, on the one hand, you know, Chara, you know, clearly has a memory of this. Whether or not it did or did not happen, it's kind of, I I feel like I would not be that worked up by it. You know, if you need that to get yourself worked up for a Stanley Cup final game, maybe something's wrong. Uh, but for Kevin Bieksa to act like this is, you know, some huge indictment on the 2011 uh, Canucks feels like maybe, uh, you know, maybe the pain of losing in a game seven doesn't really go away. And there might, you know, this may not just be about Chara's comments. This might be about just the larger thing at hand to know that you were one game away from it. And you, frankly, you blew it in that series. Yeah, it, it. I'm sure he that they all still feel that game setting because I mean you were you were one win away from immortality and now you're you know infamous for the fact that your fans burned down your city for not winning the cup you know instead of greasing up the light poles the fire had to put out fires so yeah I I did not have this one on my 2022 bingo card to round out the year uh, <laughs> and I I'm with you. I I think it's kind of a really blown out of proportion thing that it was something that was very perfect for the clickbait. You yeah. know, what what was it that caused the Bruins to win the cup? Why were the Bruins upset at the Canucks prior to game 7? What motivate, you know, the the clickbait is all right there. So I think that's why I got picked up. But the reaction it to it uh, again, like just Throwing more gasoline on the fire for no reason. You could have just nailed it by being like, this story could have been picked up at any point in time over the past decade by the dozens of reporters that were there. I don't know why Chara felt the need to make this claim. It didn't happen. And you move on. I, it, it's a very hockey player story, though, right? You know, the yeah. the thing you hear about Gretzky walking by the Islanders uh, dressing room right. in 1983 and, you know, seeing they had all these ice packs on and then he realized what it took to win and, you know, a thing that probably yeah. also didn't happen. Uh, but, you know, because yeah, apparently it, weren't they not celebrating as well? Like they were. Like they were all just sitting there and the cup was in the center of the Yeah, room. supposedly. Yeah. Uh, yeah right. the, 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 it's just a, a very much a hockey type story. It goes, oh, the other, we were down, you know, in the series and they had a chance to close it out in Boston and we saw them practicing their Stanley Cup celebration and we said, we can't let this happen. And that gave us yeah. the mustard to go overcome this. And, okay, dude. So, yeah, uh, that's a thing that's going on. Uh, Bruins Canucks 2011 Stanley Cup final game seven rivalry that still existed. Uh, but one thing we do know that still exists, the Vancouver Canucks, while they've been winning, probably not making the playoffs. Uh, and now they have been turned down by their captain on a contract extension, Bo um, Horvat. No real deal details about what the contract was, but it is believed that the Canucks offered him just shy of $8 million which seems to be the baseline for the top line centerman in the league. But now that he turned that down, Bo is on the trading block in Vancouver. 
Yeah, I I may have read something different from you on this. Ooh. Well, I I read that it was supposedly it supposedly an eight year uh, deal, and it was for five point one two five million uh, per season. Got it. That's the case. Wow. Yeah. Well, considering he makes five and a half million now, yeah, I can see why that would be rejected. Uh, and you know, big caveat to all of this: if this is actually the case. I could see that being, you know, just Vancouver management saying, well, we tried to resign him. He wouldn't resign. So we had to move him for X, Y, Z and whatever it may be. Uh, but in addition to that, also just, you know, one side starts really low. One side starts really high. You work towards the center and that's how negotiating in general works. So could also be completely be nothing. I don't know how much to read into that. But uh, yeah. I yeah. I I I don't know. I feel like, I mean, you might be right where if, if that is the correct offer, then that could be one of those like, well, we offered him. He said, no, got to move on. Because the thing with Vancouver is they are so tight against the cap, not just this year, but moving forward as well, especially if we only have that one million. The JT Miller re-signing is absolutely coming back to bite them right now because that's the thing that new contract of his doesn't kick in until next year he sees an increase in pay uh so re-signing him is already coming back to bite you because now you have horvat who you're struggling to re-sign they need to shed money as as fast as possible because they do have a lot of contracts uh expiring i know luke shen someone that they really, really love, uh, that they would love to re-sign, but that's another guy that I would say keep an eye out. He's probably going to get moved uh, close to the deadline and and making matters with him. His wife is pregnant and expecting a child right around uh, that March deadline. <laughs> oh, wonderful. The, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. We're, well, we're not playing correctly there, buddy. <laughs> yeah, you, you you hear a lot of the uh, hockey players will specifically go out of their way to make sure their children aren't conceived between like March and July, or aren't due to be born rather between March and July. Uh, yeah. But yeah, you know, so, sometimes the best laid plans. Uh, yeah, the Vancouver, if... Number one, I don't know how much I would want to just blow this team up altogether. Uh, you know, it feels like they have a lot of good pieces that you would see in a serious contending team. And not a lot of them are all that terribly old. Uh, you maybe want to move Tyler Myers or uh, Oliver Ekman Larson, although with the deals that they're uh, on right now, uh, best of luck with that. So at, at a certain point, I think they just kind of say, well, what can we do? You know, we could, you know, blow up our forward core. You could definitely move Brock Besser. You could move Bo Horvat. Uh, maybe you even consider moving Elias Pettersson. I don't know. Uh, he's younger than a lot of these guys. So I don't know how much that would come to fruition. I'm thinking out loud here more than anything. No, uh, that's that's a fine thinking out loud because, well... The only thing I'd say is that with Pedersen, he's been injured and he did just have a little bit of a setback. He's still got a few years left and a pretty big deal. That's kind of the same issue with Besser as well. He's got two years, 6.6 million. And I, and and not to also, you know, his production is flatline. Uh, he's got one assist like over the last three three games. He had one, He had one goal prior to that as well. So... It's not like, you know, if you want 6.6 .6 million in a flat 
be moved, you're going to have to either take back something, but it's going to be hard to find a, to find a trade part that kind. Yeah. And you can help with that certainly by retaining some salary and stuff like that. Although they are, uh, you know, Besser is signed to for another two seasons after this. So if you're trying to get cap relief, I don't know how much you want three and a half million or so in dead cap hit, hanging around there. Uh, Brock Besser, you know, especially being a, a a winger makes him a little bit more replaceable to a degree. But knowing that he's had multiple 20 goal seasons and almost a 30 goal season one time. I, I think it wouldn't be difficult to imagine some teams wanting to add him as they gear up to go on a run. Well, all right. Uh, I'll ask you, I'll ask you this, like, cause yes, there's obviously a GM out there that, you know, look at the numbers and be like, well, he's struggling and he's capable of doing this. He just needs a change of scenery. But what playoff team do you think that would be the thing? It would be a playoff team, right? That would that you would want to add him, add him. Because I do know Vancouver has also. I, I saw that they are apparently willing to trade within division as well. Typically, you don't hear that. So, assuming they are willing to trade in division, I, I again, I don't, I'm not sure. I, I can't think off the top of my head any playoff team that could that could make room for that. So I have two possibilities for that. Uh, the first one that came to mind for me was the New York Islanders, uh, mostly because they have a little bit of cap space. Uh, you could send someone going back the other way, although it would potentially be someone like Oliver Wallstrom, which I don't know how much you want to mortgage the future like that. So you're maybe looking at giving up your first, uh, which, hey, when, you know, is a tough year to do it in. But if you... Go ahead and, uh, you know, if you go on a run and win it all, who cares? Uh, the the biggest reason that I see that working out for them is uh, Ilyas Rorkin's clearly the goalie of the future, and Simeon Varlamov is coming off the books next year at $5 million. So they'll definitely have something to play with there where they don't necessarily need to continue to have $9 million invested in goaltending. Uh, so I could see them making a move there to load up with him. Uh, I could also see the New York Rangers potentially getting in on it. Uh, but the only thing is, if they do that, they are 100% out of the Patrick Kane sweepstakes. So I'm not sure how much they would rather have Besser than Kane, although you would have Besser for longer. So maybe that makes him a better asset. I would... Uh, my thing with the Rangers is, Come next year, they're they're up against the wall for next year, and they're already going to have time to try and re-sign Philip Yedel, who's due yeah. his contract extension, and he will get uh, a pay raise. You know, last night he had that big game-winning goal against the Devils in overtime, and um, the kids are starting to get a little more of the playing time in New York. Which, since the last time we talked, I was like, man. They're horrible, and they're still not playing good, but they have managed to win really tough games, beating Vegas on the road, beating Colorado on granted a banged-up Colorado, uh, winning against the Devils at home, just being able to pull out some wins that you were like, oh, for a team that struggled against some of the bad teams, you didn't see that one coming. I feel the Rangers are more, we want the Panarin-Kane combo, uh, and I think the Rangers are looking for the one-year buy. 
The Islanders, I, I said it back when or earlier when we talked Horvat a few a few weeks back. I think that's a better move for the Islanders. Uh, and with the five million coming off the books, like that's a guy that if you trade for could be a gr- is going to be a great rental for anybody. But also is a guy that I think come next year you could lock down if you're the Islanders because you do have that five million to start playing with. Uh, and you know maybe you finally get one of those three million dollar guys off. Do you think the Rangers are happy with their center depth? Because I know there's a lot of speculation of where Bo Horvat may end up, and I feel like I've seen the Rangers name put out there a little bit. Listen, if the Rangers could land, I, I did see. If they're if they're gonna move Horvat, they're looking for a package that includes multiple young players, ideally centermen and right-handed defensemen. Uh, the Rangers, of course, have defensive prospect depth, left, right side, all over the charts. I would love him on Broadway. I would selfishly as a Rangers, of course, I would love him. Uh, I mean, the guy's fifty-eight percent face-off percentage. He wins those. Uh, he leads the NHL in faceoffs taken. He's a top five goal scorer in the league. Uh, he's a veteran of nine years and he's only 20. So like, you know, he's still like, it's like, wow, you know, this is a guy that's got some, some mileage, a little veteran depth to him and can really play. And, and, and yeah, the, the Rangers and the Rangers do have prospects to give away, but uh, they don't have center depth to give away. So they'd have to give away something else. Uh, do is this is this the move that it does put like a Philip Yedel in the in the in the deal? Like it's a Yedel and like a Zach Jones, and probably your first round pick. So are you willing to part with that, or do you package in like conditional first if he sign if he resigns type deal? Uh, and yeah, it's a second. I I wouldn't be and surprised a, to yeah. see that be the case, just because he is only signed through this year uh but my understanding is that his agent's been given you know permission to talk with other teams to you know see if he would you know sign with them long term or anything like that uh let me throw this at you as a potential Bo Horvat landing spot uh Colorado their second line their second line center right now is JT Comfer and you know, not that he's a bad guy at University of Michigan product that he is, uh, but might be in a little over his head at second line. If you had a, uh, you know, Mika Rantanen and Bo Horvat 1-2, uh, that would be pretty scary, especially come the postseason. And I think uh, they would certainly have the assets to make it work, uh, whether it's a young defenseman like Bowen Byram uh, or they still have their first this year, though I think they would be hesitant to move it, given that they do not have a second, third, or fourth. Yeah, um, that would be one of those next year. First round draft pick gets to go. Yeah. Um, uh, which is always really difficult to trade the next year. Mm-hmm. You don't know how far off you're going to fall, and all of a sudden it's, uh-oh, we gave away a top 10 pick. Um I don't think that's going to happen to the Avalanche come next year, no matter what happens this year. They're just so so offense-heavy and so good defensively as well at times. I could see that working, though. I could see them pulling that trade off uh, as well because it is Colorado. And those teams like Colorado and the Lightning and all, they managed to pull off those weird deals. Uh, they managed to, to make the trades that you're like, there's no way that team can do it. And then they do it. They find a way to make it work. Um, I was... 
thinking just in my head could there be a could there be another canadian team that gets in on 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 horvat uh i don't think toronto could make it work with their cap situation no and and, 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 fire on them but like could edmonton make that i don't know if edmonton edmonton could make that work i would think maybe calgary uh but would they want to take that chance because they haven't really been having the season that any of us thought they would yeah, and and the issue becomes that Michael Backlund has been their first line center, which you know isn't much to write home about. But then you have Nazem Kadri centering your second line, and you're not about to send him to the third line. So, kind of where would you even put Bo Horvat in that lineup, unless you're going to put him on wing? Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I I think if any Canadian team made a run at him, it would maybe be Calgary. Um, I haven't thought this through that much, but maybe even Winnipeg, but I'm not, I'm not certain on that either. Yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see. I think Horvat, um, I mean, granted, this could all change very quickly. Cause if you remember last year, it was like JT Miller's going to go. And by this, by the off season, I mean, at, at one point I remember seeing that JT Miller was like, it was a done deal. He was going to the Island. Yeah. Um, yeah. I remember like, that too. And that was then after he's... he was supposed to go to the Rangers. And now, if he's going anywhere, it's probably Arizona, so... Yeah, right? To go bury his contract. Uh, yeah. But you did bring up a good point before. I, I do think part of... I, I think somebody's going to get bought out at the end of the year. Uh, yes, it would suck to have, like, 3.5 uh, of dead cap space for a long time for certain players, but they got to figure out... Because if they don't move Horvat at the deadline, they have to figure out a way to re-sign him. Uh, I mentioned Luke Shen. I know there are rumblings. They love him and they don't want him to go. And and even if they do trade him, they plan to circle back on, on July 1st. Uh, but yeah. Also, and, and, but, but Ethan Bear as well. Like, they yeah, like he, him there. He's worked out really well there, which you love to see him, you know, land somewhere on his feet pretty pretty easily. And, but Ethan Bear is also an RFA, so that'll make life a little easier there. Whereas yeah, Luke but Shen, he is going to get a good arbitration deal. Yeah, and Luke Shen is, you know, thirty three years old, and he's making eight hundred fifty thousand. So I think he is pretty comfortable with what he is at this point of his career. I think if they told him, "Hey, we want to keep you around, but we're only giving you one year deals," you know until you can't play anymore, he would probably go for that, I would think. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's the type of player he is, but he's also going to be that type of player that, especially at the deadline, uh, playoff teams, because like you mentioned, he's $850,000. And and by the deadline, he, you know, $250,000. So he's going to be a guy that teams are going to look to to add that. And, And a guy that could recoup you know, draft picks or something good in a prospect back in return. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens, but it does seem like Vancouver, because you're right, this team on paper, looking at them, there are good pieces there. It just, for whatever reason, hasn't worked out, but where they are financially, it's going to be hard for them to make decisions moving forward. And there's going to be some really hard decisions that are going to have to be you know, you're going to have to walk in there as the GM and, and, you know, tell ownership that has been very tough and very much like we don't buy people out. We don't do this, that, and really convince them that you have to make some financial decisions that are 
gonna suck, but are going to be better in the long run and the immediate long run for this team. And their their buyouts for Braden Holtby and Jake for Tannen will both come off the books next year. So that's gonna give yeah. you an extra 2.4 million to play with. But you're you're right. I don't know how anxious they're gonna be to replace that with more buyouts. Yeah. Um all right. I'm tired of talking about Vancouver. Uh, that's a lot of Vancouver talk. Let's talk about Tage Thompson. 21 goals to 28 games. Five goal performance against the Blue Jackets. That was also his second six-point game this year. This is a guy that had 38 goals last year. And before last year, uh, what, had like 16 total goals in his career? Yeah. Uh, so not only did he have a breakout year last year, but that contract extension he gave Buffalo is looking really, really, really good. Yeah, uh, similar to Jason Roberts, you know, this was a an extension that made a few people scratch their heads and say, I don't know, maybe he'll, you know, grow into this or maybe it'll pay off eventually. And it started to pay off right away. Uh, I, I will say that, you know, of six point games, one of which comes against Detroit, uh, Detroit only allowed three goals. That's how we do for <laughs> six-point games. You know, out in Columbus, when they allow five goals, that's their business. Uh, but, yeah, it's it's been crazy to see one player have a game with that many points, much less two. And it really, uh, it, you know, when a player can thrive like that on a team that's not necessarily the greatest, it really gives you a lot of hope that they'll be able to pair him with someone uh, eventually down the road that's going to be able to do a lot more damage there because if you if he's able to pull off something like this now and they continue to add that elite talent to their lineup then he could definitely be like rocket richard winning levels of dangerous yeah and i i mean i'm loving it uh this has just been fun to watch i i mean we've been of a, a goal scoring boom over this past season it appears uh you know the nhl's averaging averaging 6.36 goals per game uh which is continuing an upward trend that we saw last year with 6.29 goals per game uh and that that was back last year that was the first time that they were above six since the 05 lockout ended so I'm loving this. This is this is fun for hockey, man. Oh, Lots yeah. of goals is fun for hockey. It's fun. Well, it's fun for the fans. It's not fun if you're a coach, uh, and it's not fun if you are a fan of the team watching that game. But you know, like when I watch Tage Thompson go off on Columbus, it's fun. It's like holy crap! Did you like that was so cool? But if Tage Thompson's going off on the Rangers, I'm sitting there going, "Hockey stupid." Where's the dead puck era that I was told we live in? Um, yeah, and in general, there's been a lot of interesting trends that you've seen come up this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, to correspond with there being a lot more goals, uh, save percentage is way down across the board. Uh, you're seeing a lot of different, uh, you know, you see these contracts that we just touched on are getting signed, you know, with a better idea of what players are going to grow into. Uh, I think part of why you're seeing a lot more of this offense is uh, you're, you know, it's right now, especially with a flat cap, you're 
at a huge advantage to play these younger, less expensive players. Uh, and those less younger, less expensive players still have to go up against Tage Thompson's or the Connor McDavid's of the world. So, uh, you know, some I think there's a lot of different factors that are kind of playing into this. And as far as uh, a good way to start off a TV deal with ESPN, uh, this is probably the direction you want to go for it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you mentioned the save percentage. Um, it's down from 915 to 905 in seven years. Seven wow. years it dropped that much because it's at a 905 right now. And, and granted, web. this isn't a you know entire season, so this could end up correcting itself by the end of the year. Uh, but we can only work with the trends that are in front of us, and that's definitely the trend up to this point. Yeah, we're we're seeing an upward trend in goals, upward trend in goals against and save percentage. Like I, I'm here for it. Listen, if we're if all we've all we've heard is the dead puck error for the last you know, however many years since Batman has kind of taken over uh, and the Devils in 95 created that zone trap defense that everybody mimicked because this is, every sport is a league of parody. So once one team figured out a way to shut it down, everybody figured out a way to shut it down. And then the league created new rules to try and open it up. And it did for that first year. And everybody figured out how to shut that down. And, you know, so I don't know what to attribute to the rise in goals. Is it? I did see some executives have said that it's because of these younger players, uh, these guys that are now coming into the league, the post lockout players, mm-hmm. like the kids that were watching the sport post lockout and learned to play that, that don't think so much the defensive game and think more offense, offense, offense. So when they have a three goal lead, are out there going, how do we make it a four-goal lead? Which leads to sloppy defense, and all of a sudden, instead of a four-goal lead, it's now a tie game, and now you're... So, is it just the influx of young kids that don't play the two-way sport? It Potentially, it could have a lot to do with that. I know the Austin Matthews draft was the first one where they kind of said, you know, this guy has never known anything in the NHL but the post-lockout league rules. Uh, you're also seeing a lot more come from behind wins, which I'm not mm-hmm. sure how much that's an effect of coaching so much as it's an effect of, uh, you know, just you know, having some of the those younger players, those Austin Matthews types that have been around for a while and know that they don't have to just completely, you know, tune out once they're down by two goals, which I'll say, you know, a few years ago, I would certainly be a person if the Red Wings got down by three, just say, well, that's the end of this game. Uh, and usually I was right. That hasn't been the case this year. And I've been long to turn a game off early because of it. Uh, another thing that has been pointed out as far as trends go is there has been a lot more empty net goals. Uh, not to completely shoot everything that I said about those earlier. Uh, but I think a lot of just analytics showed that there's a lot more likely chance of pulling the goalie working if you do it earlier in a game. Uh, so and with you know more time with an empty net leads to more empty net goals that may not necessarily have become goals a few years ago. Yeah, it starts to help pad the numbers a little bit. Um, which you know, again, not we're not trying to be like, well, dismiss what we said earlier. It's just it's the way it's it it counts like it. Yeah, that's again, that's really what we're saying here is it counts. So it helps the numbers continue and it helps that trend because. That's the way the game is right now. It goes to the way the game is. And right now the game seems to be a a high-paced offense 
first defense last type of game and uh, you know we're we're witnessing a bit of a change in the sport will that tra- you know will will teams figure out how to combat you know maybe possibly but you you bring up the lead changes the the Rangers Devils game Devils had a 3-1 lead within 7 seconds it was a 3-3 game like and then the game goes to overtime even in that game played more passive when they were in the offensive zone because he's no he wasn't so much playing defense he's hanging back waiting to do what he had done earlier in the game and that capitalize on on a bad play on a bad pass turn it the other way and turn that into a two-on-one or a two-on-oh yeah um it's an offensive world i'm here for it tage thompson is ruling the world unfortunately the sabers though are still a mess so but uh, I, uh, my buddy who is a Sabres fan that I work with at the station, I've told him that if they could just figure out goaltending and a little bit more of the bottom, si- uh, the bottom, the bottom, their defense, uh, maybe that five and six spot of defense, they'd have a pretty decent team. They, but the goaltending, they, they, they are. They'll just they'll only get as far as that one line of offense will allow them to at this point. Yeah. So, yeah. but but the pieces are, are starting to look. It's it is I as I said to him it is the first time that I am optimistic about the Sabers instead of the like yeah that's nice what you all are doing but you're still the Sabers like this is the first time I don't have the feeling of being like you're still the Sabers it's like well there's actually seems to be a little bit of hope for you all and and they have two young prospects for goalie as well so if at least you're not Anaheim exactly where you're <laughs> wasting away one of the best goalies who could have gone down as one of America's best, but yeah. Yeah. Um, some injuries, uh, a big one, Jack Eichel placed on, uh, the IR cause of a lower body injury, uh, means he must miss at least seven days dating back to when he couldn't physically play. Yeah. Not good for anyone in the league, except for teams playing against Vegas when he's not there, but mm-hmm. you, you love to see him in the lineup cause he's a lot of fun to watch. And I think we're all just really glad it's not his neck again. Yeah. Uh, very happy about, gosh, that would have been, that would have been horrible, but yeah, hopefully Eichel gets back, uh, soon enough. Uh, scary moment as well for, uh, the flames, Chris Tanev. We were talking about the flames before. Uh, don't know if you caught that in the Monday game. He had to get helped off the ice after he took a slap shot to the head in the second period uh, in their 2-1 uh, shootout loss to the Canadians. Uh, this happened during a 5-on-3 penalty kill. He attempted to block a slap shot from uh, the head, um, hushed the Bell Center crowd. Uh, but yeah, scary moment right there. Yeah, Chris Tanev definitely has a reputation of a guy that will block a shot from anywhere with any part of his body. Uh, I don't necessarily want to see him prove it. Yeah, he did. Uh, So fingers crossed uh, that's not anything too serious. I didn't see any reports of, uh, you know, checked out and stuff like that, but nothing about I didn't see anything about any missed time. Uh, the same way that we learned that the Maple Leafs, Nick Robertson, is going to miss six to eight weeks due to shoulder surgery. So, um, speaking of left wingers, uh, Maple Leafs uh, lost one of theirs uh, after he took a heavy hit by uh, Kings defenseman Matt Roy into the boards. He had to be helped off the ice as well. He's got five points, two goals, three assists in 14 games this season. He's young, but uh, 
Yeah. Yeah, there sure. was there was a lot made of him coming into the lineup, and if he played with some of that elite core, I don't know that he's gotten a ton of time with him here. Uh, but yeah, it'll it'll suck that we can't kind of see more how that develops. But yeah, I'm sure his brother's not thrilled about it either in Dallas. No, um, and and also young career getting a bad bad break so far with the injuries. I know he had the knee thing. Yeah, it kind of sucks that we can't really figure out exactly what he is yet because he could be he could be pretty solid and. You know the Maple Leafs need need you know they they need him in the lineup. I I'll say that they're 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 sitting good. It would be nice to have eight, him in the lineup. Eight zero oh, and two in their last ten. They must be doing something right. Yeah, they're doing something right. Uh, maybe it's the TJ Brody return. Uh, he returned for the Maple Leafs, the defenseman, and that's kind of a significant return for them. Uh, definitely their most reliable. Uh, and hey, he hey. is. A, Effective counter to top lines elite players. And, and considering that they were already down a defenseman uh, in, was it Zaitsev that's up? Mm-hmm. No, uh, Jake Muzzin. I'm sorry. Jake oh, that's Muzzin. Right, Muzzin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, considering they were already down a defenseman with him being out of the lineup, uh, that is a huge, huge uh, thing to get back for the Maple Leafs there for sure. Yeah. And, um, I guess there's one other piece of news we got involving the Kraken and the Predators this week, if I recall. Uh, yeah, Eli uh, Tolvanen uh, was, for a while, was supposed to be the next big thing offensively uh, for Nashville. Uh, just has not been living up to the hype, so to speak. Uh, got put on waivers and uh, got picked up by the Seattle Kraken, uh, which some people were surprised that he stuck with them so long uh or stuck through waivers so long rather they always do it in reverse you know order of points percentage and he was 10th or excuse me seattle was 10th uh in all of that but he just hasn't hasn't quite lived up there uh to what everyone was kind of hoping he would turn into last year had 23 points in 75 games uh this year uh four points in 13 games uh he they say that the best asset about him is his shot. So I could almost see him turning turning into a Sam Gagne type. Uh Sam Gagne later in his career, that is, where he kind of had a career rebirth playing on the third or fourth line, but he put him out there for that power play and he'll get you 20 goals a year. Uh so so it's it's gonna be exciting to see Seattle and what they end up doing with him and if he can kind of contribute to that lineup there, because they seem to only be getting better as time goes on. Yeah. Well, we had talked to when we talked about them last week and they were winning ways at, uh, we, we said it would be interesting to see what they do. This is a great low risk, high reward pickup for them. It's, it doesn't cost them anything. It's a waiver wire. It's taking a flyer on a young guy that could be good uh, and should be good. And yeah, sometimes a change of scenery is all it takes. Sometimes a change of line mates is all it takes. Sometimes a little extra confidence uh, from the coaching staff and the organization is all it takes. So whatever it is, uh, I like you. Like uh, it's going to be cool to see it. Like I said, I've been I've been very much enjoying uh, the fact that the Kraken have been having uh, banking the points and having a really good start to the season because I know they're getting they're getting 
right now about to four to one in the second, but oh, don't we all? Yeah, I mean, listen, that happens sometimes when you play Tampa, right? But they still banked a lot of points. That um, it's looking pretty good for them, uh, despite that Tampa game. Uh, yeah, I like the move. Um, good for the Kraken. Before we go, uh, there was one other thing that I wanted to bring up. We don't have to spend a lot of time on it. Uh, but did you see that the NBA has announced that they are overhauling their awards? They're changing the name of their awards. Uh, and they're naming it after former play. Oh, I think you have the notes right there. Look at that. Yeah, I, I can't quite get it to focus on the camera, but my notes for uh, episode 12, our holiday season episode, uh, I just wrote rename trophies because I think it would be fun if we did what the NBA did. Okay, so then we'll save that. We'll bank that because, yeah, we were going to do kind of a holiday-ish episode. That's what we in the business call a tease. Yeah, well, I was just going to come out and say it with the holidays coming up. John and I are probably going to record uh, a banked episode, which yeah, we'll 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 discuss that. So uh, in a few weeks, we will discuss that and actually go through the awards and uh, rename them. We think they should be renamed. So we're talking, we're talking getting rid of the Hart Trophy. We're talking getting rid of the Norris. We're renaming <laughs> the, the Stanley the Cup. Heart. Yeah, we're no, we're not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, cool. All right, so we'll save that. That'll be a fun. That'll be the fun one we do for the. Uh, holiday edition uh where we give you guys content even though john and i are doing festive bah humbug whatever it is we get down with but the uh time with the family and we'll drop that episode for you to listen to to get away from the family yeah whenever you're traveling for the holiday season we'll have something there that won't necessarily be completely out of date by the time you listen to yeah or or just slightly out of date it is what it is yeah. <laughs> all right well then uh john Plug whatever it is you'd like to plug. Uh, I think the only thing I got going on is that same Twitter handle at JT Evans zero. All right. And that's what I got as well at wonderful underscore radio. All right. All right thanks for listening, week. everybody. Yeah. Bye. Show!